Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within, to seek out new joys and new methods of awakening, to boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, fellow explorers. I am Jonathan Robinson, and I am with... Brian Tom O'Connor. And it's a new day, it's a new moment, and... It's a new subject. The subject of today is the creative process and awareness. And Brian and I have been creatively brainstorming what to talk about. And I think we have a lot of good materials. So uh, thanks for joining us in this exploration. When we came up with this topic, Brian, uh, what were the first thoughts that showed up for you in terms of how creativity and awareness might be the same, not the same, what did it bring up for you? Well, the first thing that came to my mind was a TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, which I heard some years ago, in which she talked about creativity and the sense that often we think of creativity as something we come up with our individual selves, but um, there's another way of thinking of it as creativity being something that comes to us from outside of us. And I'd like to, I'll probably get into a lot more about that later on, but I think that's the similarity is where is cre creativity? Is creativity a part of our ego, a part of our individual minds, or does it come from the greater consciousness that uh, is much bigger than our individual egos and bodies and minds? Yeah, I put a shout out to Elizabeth Gilbert. Her book, uh, Big Magic, is all about creativity. And it's one of the few self-help books where when I read it, I go, that really helped me to become more creative. And I really recommend the book. And, you know, both of us have written books. You're into theater and cabaret. I'm into improv and stand-up. And songwriting, too. And, oh, and thank you. I've written 200 songs. So it's a big part of our lives. And I think that people who are into awareness either open themselves up to more creativity or there, there's a lot of similarities between becoming uh, aware of awareness and, and the spiritual search and the creative search. Uh, you know, for one, to become creative, you do need to let go of any mind agenda and just kind of receive. And it seems to be very similar in the realm of letting go of all your mind stuff so you can be present to awareness. And they both have lots of juice in them. You know, uh, you have to deal with energies that are pretty intense, which sometimes wig people out. Um, they both involve being very much in the moment the necessity of having an open mind, there's surrender, there's grace. They're, they're like the brother and sister in some ways. That's right. You, you have to let go of your agenda. They both, they both can take time uh, as well. Um, 
Like sometimes an idea isn't there and you, you go away and, and it will, it will pop in later um, mm -hmm. from who knows where. And also the other thing about creativity is it's not only the realm of the artist, certainly the scientist has to be creative in imagining the experiments that they need to design. And even in ideas, you know, famous stories of scientific ideas coming during dreams or after um, putting it aside for a while. And even an ordinary person, it can be in any field, in business or whatever, there is creativity in the simple act of writing an email. And you can tap into something, you can tap into your own creativity to do to do all sorts of different tasks during the day. Yeah, and we'll talk about how to bring more creativity into our lives. But first, a little bit more exploration about that, that, you know, we have the realm called spirituality, which is partly about surrender and grace. And then we have the realm creativity, which we've kind of associated with, you know, rock stars and artists, but really it's a very similar process. There's a lot of overlap and I think for me, being both creative and being a spiritual seeker slash finder have influenced each other. And not only is there a lot of overlap, but there's a lot of the blocks are very much the same. So if you can't surrender or if you have a noisy mind or if you have, say, certain beliefs in the way, or you don't give it time. Those are all blocks to both spiritual growth and blocks to creativity. And so as one becomes more free, what I've seen in the teachers and people I've interviewed, that they tend to become pretty creative as well. That's right. And uh, another block uh, that's similar between the two, I think, is um, obsession with our egos with mm -hmm. how we're doing and who we are. In, in spiritual search, um, we think that happiness is a result of achieving things that our ego wants for us. And when we let go of that, we start to see that happiness is within and apart from the ego in the greater awareness that everything appears in. And the same with the creative life. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert, again, um, by the way, Big Magic, I also read that book, one of my very, very favorite books on creativity. But in her famous TED Talk, she talks about the word genius. And she said, well, what if instead of being a genius, we have a genius? Mm -hmm. Sort of like a genie or a spirit or, or, or a being that's outside and apart from us that is, that is giving us creative ideas. And uh, there was a quote from... Um, uh, from Hans Berg, who was a famous artist. And he said, it's more about letting things pop up and just to grab. And there's so many artists that, that have described ideas, song ideas, poems, just appearing to them or, or just almost like seeing them in the air. And, and so perhaps they exist in the larger field of universal consciousness. And so that's another way it's very similar. Yeah, uh, I like listening to uh, some of my favorite musicians. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney got the song yesterday while in a dream. 
Um, and he says, when he was talking about the creative process on the Tonight Show not too long ago, he said he has no idea where he comes from. It just they just kind of appear. And I was reading a article uh, in uh, Bruce Springsteen interview recently, and this is what he said: "You have your antenna out. You're just walking through the world, and you're picking up these signals of emotions and spirit and history and events." And from the air, they're all intangible elements. But people who are very attuned to that atmosphere usually end up being artists of some sort because they're so attuned to it, they have a desire to record it. And I like this idea that it's really by letting go of one's ego or one's thoughts that one becomes receptive to the muse or to grace or to God or to... Jesus or the Buddha or whatever you want to call it, that it all involves a little bit less of us and a little bit more of what seems to be floating around there somewhere. That's right. It's almost as if when you start to really relax and let go of control and let go of the need to protect um, your ego, that you start vibrating in harmony with the universe. And it's like, I think you had a, um, a metaphor of tuning a radio station to, mm -hmm. to the right frequency to be receptive. Yeah. You know, for me, I made a vow when I was about 16 because these songs started to come through me. And I didn't really care so much if the songs were good. I just really enjoyed the feeling of being creative, of, of writing a song. It was such a high experience. And so I vowed whenever I got this certain feeling that I would stop what I was doing and write the song. And then it came, the same thing came with writing. And in fact, uh, one of my best-selling books, The Little Book of Big Questions, was pretty much dictated to me. I had never kind of channeled before, but I heard a voice say, take notes. And as I tuned into a certain feeling, all these questions came out. And then, you know, six months later, I'm on Oprah talking about those questions. <laughs> um, so I think uh, whether it be trying to be more enlightened or more creative, that there's a sense that the forces out there know if we're sincere know if we're available, mm -hmm. uh, know if we really are willing to make the vow like I'm, I'm, I'm ready and willing. And um, I remember reading something about Adyashanti about his awakening. He heard a voice that said, you're ready. You know, and, and the next day he had a changed consciousness. And, you know, unfortunately, in, in, say, American society, the creative process is not really given much credence except to people who make their living doing it. And one of the things I got out of uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book is, no, that can just be a way of life, that you are creative in how you talk, you're creative in how you do your daily life. You might paint, you might cook, you might write, but it's really a way of being. And I remember when I was in Bali, this was very obvious, uh, Bali, Indonesia, everybody in Bali was creative. Mm. They may be creative in how they vacuumed their floor, but they were all 
painters or cooks and just the way they presented food on a plate would be creative. The way that they would wear their clothes would be creative. The way they would sing would be creative. And I'd never seen a culture that was so dedicated. And I noticed that the Balinese were very happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also a lot of creativity in the business world. I was, you know, I worked for a, uh, a financial institution in software for many, many years. And there's there's creativity in creating software, but there's also creativity in simply making a PowerPoint presentation for a meeting. Mm -hmm. Or and there can be. There can be. Yes, there isn't always. But you'd be amazed at how many people in at least, well, I was in technology. Uh, so not so much in the hardcore finance part of it. But how many people in the technology world were also painters, guitar players, composers, you know, and, and, and this is the same uh, in the medical profession. You'd be amazed at how many musicians there are among doctors. Mm hmm. I would be amazed. I didn't I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. In fact, there is an entire uh, there's an orchestra. There are several orchestras made up of doctors throughout the country. Uh huh. Interesting. And, you know, in this society, you kind of have to go against the tide to be creative. There's first, you know, the, the problem of time. We're all so busy and creativity does take time. You have to feel that you're worthy of it. You know, one of the things that helped me to be creative is I wasn't that worried about what other people thought. If I liked a song that I wrote, that was that was fine. You know, I didn't care if you liked it. I wasn't I trying to make my living. On yeah, it. that's so important to 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 let go of that. What are they going to think about it? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and and fear is another thing. For example, I read this great quote from Joyce DiDonato, who's one of my favorite opera singers, and she was being interviewed, and the question was about stage fright and how she overcomes it. And she said, a performance is not about the me. It must be about the art, the character, the music, the expression, the message. It's ultimately about genuine connection. And so when you take the emphasis off the me, the how am I doing, the ego, the protectiveness, you start to open up a channel for creativity and some of the fear can also fall away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your story remind me um, the most famous painter in the world whose paintings are worth more than any other painting, Vincent van Gogh, never sold a single friggin' painting. Ah, uh, poor guy. But that uh, sometimes when I write a song or, or do a book and it doesn't do well, I think, well, you know, in a hundred years, this will be worth a billion dollars. <laughs> well, that would be that would be nice. Only unfortunately, Vincent Van Gogh didn't get to uh, enjoy his success, but uh, he nonetheless was dedicated to being creative and to painting and had a passion for it and never gave up and. Um, you know, we just sat down and did it. I mean, and that's an artist's job or any creative person's job is really to show up, to relax, to leave the channel open, and the ideas will come. And an awakening person's job is to show up, relax, uh, keep the channel open, and hope that grace will come. Exactly. That's why this is such a great topic, because they're so parallel. Yeah.
Yeah. You think we get the lesson and, you know, our, our ego driven agendas that keep us from this, this magical process really have to be looked at. Are we getting what we want when we get more result oriented, you know, which is really what kills creativity. And even when you don't have a successful story or play or whatever it is, just being in that vibration of the juice coming through you is its own reward. You yep. know, I, I just love writing. And, you know, I, uh, people often ask me, because I, I have 14 books out, how I write. And I go, you know, do you like sit down for several hours a day? And I go, no, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. I hate that. Mm -hmm. um, what I do is I wait for the creative urge to come in. And um, what I do is I sit down for about five minutes a day and try to write. And if the creative urge is happening, I go with it. If it's not, I don't. And that's a, a, a really good model for, for living, I think, is to follow the energy, to surrender to the energy coming through you, that you're you're not looking to direct things. You're looking to uh, have your antenna up, as Bruce Springsteen said, and follow where the energy is taking you. And that's a very different way of living. And even if it doesn't lead to a lot of success, it leads to a lot of juice. Yes, and, and a lot of um, enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And your description of writing is very, very similar in a lot of ways to mine. I mean, in my first book, uh, awareness games, I would sit down to meditate and an awareness game would just come up. It's just an idea for it. And, uh, you know, I'd quickly write it down and then go back to meditating. And after a while, I had a whole bunch of them and I started to, to write them down. And then I, I, I'm in the process of just finishing up a second book. And I was going through it for a final read through the other day. And I had this very strange feeling that came over me of, who wrote this? Mm, mm -hmm. I would read something that I don't have this memory of actually me, Brian, thinking it up. And I was reading it. It sounded like it, 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 it like someone else other than me was talking to me. And yet it was my fingers that did the typing on the page. But it, it, it was marvelous. And, and in a good way. It's not like, who wrote this stuff? Right, it was right. like, who wrote this? <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it thought it sounded great, at least, at least to me. And even if no one else likes it, I like it. And it's very satisfying. Yeah, I've definitely had that experience too. In fact, uh, my best selling book was something called Communication Miracles for Couples, which was all about communication. And um, I it's 25 years old, I read I read it like a couple of years ago. And I had this thought like, this is brilliant like who wrote this stuff and my wife read it and she said yeah who wrote this because not the guy i know you know he he doesn't communicate this well <laughs> well so maybe someone smarter and wiser beyond your own ego um spoke to the world through you it seems like that and um i think a lot of times in our best moments whether it be caring for a friend or, or just kindness moving through us that 
that's really part of the creative process that we're we're creating a porthole a portal to another world and and uh something comes through that's right and that's what awareness practices do because when we relax when we sit quietly and we redirect our attention from all the stuff all the the thoughts all the objects all the stuff and just turn it to to the background of awareness itself we're actually creating a little wormhole to universal consciousness so that there's a, like a little connection so instead of just a one-way stream a two-way stream between our individual bodies and minds and the universal consciousness can start to to flow and talk about juiciness that that can get really juicy and and there's so much available there to us both from a spiritual sense of just love and joy and peace and from a creative sense in terms of ideas and beauty and aesthetics mm -hmm. so let's explore the idea of how to how to bring more of this into one's life. Uh, one of the things I've sometimes do in seminars is I have people do brainstorm lists, you know, like what are 20 ways you could do this job differently or decorate your house differently or whatever. And that's kind of fun because you can come up with two or three, but trying to do 20, you have to get kind of out there. But you know, something I found that makes me more creative that I'm grateful for is caffeine, which is nice because uh, that's pretty safe drug. Whereas some people have found things like, you know, they, they bring the creative process forward through getting drunk or, or even heroin. I'm glad that's not uh, what works for me or I haven't tried that. Um, but there are definitely things that we can do that help to nurture our creativity, whether it be a brainstorm list or a cup of coffee, or just being in a society like Bali, where everybody's creative, helps you to nurture that feeling in you. But what do you do to, to nurture your creativity? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one is relax, both physically and internally, letting go of trying to control what's happening, at least internally, emotionally, right now. That's mm -hmm. number one. But number two is thinking outside of me. Let me give you an example. Uh, a long time ago, I was directing the opera, The Magic Flute, and there was this climax of the opera, and I didn't have an idea for how to stage it, because it had to be very special. It was a ritual that that took place in the opera. And I had a friend named Rosemary Foley, and she is a director. And she directed some really wonderfully visually imaginative things. And I just sat down and said, if Rosemary were directing this, what would she do? And all of a sudden, I had this idea that involved fabric and, um, and a kind of a of an illusion of an out of body experience. And I incorporated it into the opera, and it worked beautifully on stage. And to this day, it doesn't feel like my idea. It feels like it was Rosemary's idea, but I just sort of imagined some. So if you're stuck and you want an idea, think of the most creative person, you know, and ask, well, what, how, how might they solve this problem? That's a great idea. 
you know, there's this whole area, I don't know if you know about it, called lateral thinking, where uh-huh. you kind of do different techniques. And these are also ideas in improv, where you say yes and to anything, um, or you uh, maybe put on a, a hat, like you imagine that you have a hat where everything is funny. I was listening to Jerry Seinfeld, and he says, he kind of does that, like, what could be funny about this pandemic? Or what could be funny about anything, really? And he brainstorms a list of things until he finally comes up with something that that he can use. Um, I remember a long time ago, I read the book, The Artist's Way by uh, Julia Cameron, I think her name was, or is. Yes. And she had people just write for like 20 minutes a day, the artist's pages uh, every morning. And it would kind of clear out your head and you would see eventually some things in there that would lead to ideas. So I'm a technique junkie. So I'm always looking for techniques. And one of my improv games I like is you have to put in a certain word in every sentence, you know, like it could be word, the word um, funny. And every sentence you say has to have the word funny in it and it, it changes conversation. Or I was in a spiritual group where for a while you couldn't say the word I, which was very interesting because now you're starting to look at your body uh, or this being not through personalness, but through impersonalness. So if you were hungry, you would say this body is looking to get something to eat or this being wants a cup of tea. And it actually would change how you would look at things. I think part of the creative process is shaking us out of our stuck way of looking at things so we can really open to more of the eyes of a child. Yes, I I love that. Funny you should mention that. You're doing good so far. (laughs) And in writing... um, there are a couple of, of similar ideas that I've come across. Uh, one is write badly. Uh, you know, yeah. Just write, but don't care whether it's good. And, and the other is this, this saying, pre-write, free-write, rewrite. So you sort of, you think about what you're going to write, and then you just free-write without editing, without trying to make it good. And then you go back and you polish it and make it good. When, when I was trying to be a fiction writer, which I never succeeded in. I polished every sentence as I went and I got maybe three paragraphs. <laughs> and, you know, it was just too, you know, but now when I write, I just, I just write, I just write and I fix up later. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a really big thing that our ego of good and bad uh, has to calm down or be eliminated through some kind of technique or chemical or something in order to let this energy really come through us. And I know that I use a similar method where I free write and I don't edit. And that really helps me to open up. Yeah. But since earlier you mentioned uh, uh, drugs and alcohol, um, uh, I, I also want to again recommend Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, because she talks a lot about that. And she talks a lot about the idea of the starving artist or the tortured artist or the artist who has to be an alcoholic artist. And she says none of that is necessary to be creative. And she goes into a great 
into great detail about why and how and what the alternatives are to being creative. And they, and they really do involve getting out of yourself and seeing creativity, seeing creative ideas as something that's out there that will come and visit you if you are receptive. And if not, it will go and visit someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she so, had a couple of interesting stories about that, how when she said no to an idea, one of her friends got the same idea. That's right, and wrote a whole successful novel about that very idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, marvelous. Well, you know, I'm always trying to think of creative ways to awaken. I've come up with a lot of alarm clocks, including my I have a an app called Mindfulness Bell that just goes off randomly. And then I'll use one of your awareness games. Or sometimes I will wear something funny. And every time somebody looks at me weird, I remember, oh, okay, that means I should wake up. Or just hanging around other people who are awakening or who are creative so that I get out of my mechanical ruts and more into the moment. And uh, it makes life juicier because you're not doing the same thing a million times. You're you're looking for the, what's new. And one of your jo- uh, one of your games, which I liked the most, which was the just born identity. What would it be like if you were just seeing this day for the first time, or if you were just meeting this person for the first time? That can help one to open up to the creative impulse. Absolutely. And it reminds me, um, uh, I once worked with an actress named Betsy Parrish, who was friends with the uh, famous actress and acting teacher, Stella Adler. And they used to go to supermarkets together and play a game and they would pick up something mundane, like an orange and say, what's this? I don't know. I never seen anything like it. It's so round and, and bright and, oh, it has a fragrance to it what do you use it for? I have no idea. And they would play this. And it just sounded like so much fun when they described it, that it's sort of, you can go around looking at things in life as if they are fresh and the world becomes vibrant again. Yeah. And perhaps that's one of the best uses of creativity is to see the world anew again, which is partly what being aware of this moment of presence is all about. Absolutely. And you can also set reminders for yourself throughout the day to certain activities. Like, you know, I I live in in Manhattan and everywhere I go is a building with a long hall. Well, maybe not during coronavirus uh, pandemic, but when I used to work in an office building and, you know, I'd say whenever I walk down a long hall, use that as a reminder to say, what is this hallway appearing in? Mm-hmm. Or, or being on a bus, imagining the world outside the bus, instead of me traveling through the world, that view of the world traveling through me as I moved. So there's a lot of little games you can play that will help that little turnaround and mm-hmm. turn the attention to inside, to the, to, the, to the witness or to the experiencer or to the, or to the uh, open, clear seeing of awareness itself. Well, I hope to do a creative meditation that might spark people's creative muse and some of the blocks to it. Uh, but before I do that, any final words on 
No, creativity. I was hoping I I th I was hoping you would have a nice creative meditation for us. So funny you should ask. I was just hoping you'd start the meditation. <laughs> well, I already have. It's this creative way of doing that. So if you can let go of any agenda you have for the moment, and if you want, you can even close your eyes. Up to you. Take a couple of breaths and settle in. I'd like you to remember a time from your childhood or maybe recently where you felt really creative, where you felt really in touch with this living creative spirit. It could have been while doing an art project or writing or virtually anything. It's more of an energy flowing through you. As best you can, try to remember what that energy felt like. what that creative muse or spark felt like in your body. So imagine you're kind of a radio and you can tune more and more to that particular frequency. Maybe as you remember moments of creative spark that you've had in your life, that you can feel that sense of creative juice or joy. Allow it to flow through you. And as different moments of creativity show up in your mind, allow yourself to turn up the volume to that frequency. And notice if anything comes in that doesn't allow you to turn up the volume maybe a thought in your head, maybe a feeling like you need to do something else or it's not safe, just notice it. Allow such blocks to pass through you. And once again, open up to the song in your heart or the creative impulse. And if it feels right, ask or pray that you become a better vessel for the creative spark to move through you.
ask or vow that you be open to its grace, its magic, its miracles, things coming out of the nowhere and showing up in the now here. And perhaps you can imagine nurturing this creative spark, starting as a small flame and then feeding that fire, that desire to be fully open to the gifts life brings to you. Nurturing it with your time, with your attention, Maybe even a little joy of what you wear or who you hang out with or perhaps a place or an instrument or a paint. So many ways to bring the creative spark into each and every day. I imagine the joy of being like a little kid playing in the sandbox of life because as soon as you let go or open up to that creative spark, we all become like little kids again in a magical world. And there's nothing you need to do with your creative ideas, inventions. You can just enjoy the process. To become part of a higher vibration of grace, surrender. And as best you can, allow that creative opening to manifest in your day, maybe in a moment of poetry or cooking or writing or even just seeing the humor in something. And when you're ready, take as much time as you need Feel your body on the chair. Imagine that you're opening up your eyes to a new world, one that is beckoning you to play and be creative once again. Welcome back. Thank you. I already feel more creative and juicier. 
And for as little as a dollar a month, you can nurture this creativity <laughs> through support on patreon.com slash awareness explorers. How do you like that bridge? Uh, that's a great little segue. They're very creative of you. Why, thank you. Uh, I try to have fun with my marketing as well. And uh, we'll periodically send our Patreon supporters little reminders and creative ways to nudge you into peace, creativeness, and joy uh, through our writings, our meditations, our funny jokes, whatever we can do. Even our unfunny jokes. Especially those. So any last words, Brian? I particularly loved a phrase that you had in the meditation. I'm not sure the exact phrase, but I think it was something like coming out of the nowhere to the now here. Yes. If you look at those two words, they are nowhere and now here are spelled exactly alike. And exactly. I think that's a good description of the process. Yep. And like the phrase, now hear this, I like to think of it with periods in it. Now, period, here, period, this, period. Ah, I like that. Although you have to spell here differently, H-E-R-E, -E, but still. We will allow creative license for that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been fun, a great exploration. It's really nice to bring that part of ourselves more in line into this troubled world so that we can creatively live life. And as we open to that, I think we open more to grace. Yes. Well said. So until next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website, at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.